Bam, we're live. Good morning, everybody. Great guest this morning, Patrick Bet David. Patrick Bet David. I wonder when he fills out like a social security form or like, you know, I don't know what, what forms he fills out, but if the is there a hyphen in there between Bet and David? I think so. I wonder I wonder if you got to put the hyphen in one of those boxes. We'll get to the bottom of that. Let's see. Patrick Bet David. Yes, yes, yes. Hyphen. Okay. Well, that'll be the first question we ask him. Should I just that, hold it the whole time? <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, I um, was turned on to Patrick Bet David by uh, Matt Souza. He popped on my radar originally. There was some Instagram post he had made where he had sold, uh, I think it was a Wayne Gretzky hockey card for a million dollars or more than a million dollars. He basically made $1.3 million on two. Uh, the sale of two cards. He purchased them and then sold them for more and made 1.3 million. And I, as I studied him and I overstudied this guy, th- this is a, a big problem when I have guests like this. I read his book. I listened to his podcast with Joe Rogan. I have seven pages of notes. I am screwed. I <laughs> and he's Armenian. So it's kind of, I'm, I'm in a total, uh, I'm in a total frenzy. I'm like a cat that's been like, I over scratched myself and now I'm like biting my arm. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I, but, uh, this is a remarkable, uh, human being, um, in terms of his story. It's, it's just a really fun, he has a really, really fun story. It's the story of the, um, young, uh, immigrant who sails over the sea to America, um, believes in himself and, uh, is successful. And then he wrote this book. And it, this book was suggested to me by Mr. Souza, who you're staring at the screen. And the book is called Your Next Five Moves, Master the Art of Business Strategy. Um, this book is a playbook for skills and mindset. It has 3,500 five-star reviews. So Damn. what do I what do I mean? That's not Patrick Bed David. That's an imposter. Um, <laughs> what do I mean by five-star reviews? I mean every single yellow star on the 3,500 on Amazon is uh, is yellow. I also want to say this has nothing to do with Patrick Bet David. If you want to see a classic example, people always ask me, Sevon, what is wokeism? What is wokeism? Wokeism is like when you don't take personal accountability or personal responsibility and you blame other people for what's going on. And you don't look at life through a clean lens. You look at life through a jaded lens without knowing that you're looking at life through a jaded lens. And if you look at the one-star reviews on this book, which there's very few – it, it, it's just classic wokeism. It's it's like people. You're like, hey, dude, that's your problem. Like the things that you don't like about this book, those are like those are your problem. That has nothing to do with Patrick. Anyway, that yeah. is Patrick Bed David. We have we have ejected the imposter. <laughs> Here we go. How are you guys? Freaking out. <laughs> Seven. Freaking- I, I watched a couple of your stuff, man. I like your style. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I knew it was going to be a love fest. I knew it was going to be a love fest. <laughs> so how come you don't have an accent? Were you born here? Uh, uh... Papa's from Lebanon, and uh, I- I'm first generation on daddy's side and on uh, on Heidi's side. And on mom's side, uh, her parents escaped uh, Turkey, uh, came through Ellis Island. She was raised in uh, <clears throat> Cleveland and Detroit. Uh, my dad... I uh, went to seminary school in Lebanon, came to uh, Chicago. They met at Northwestern. Um, my mom's parents didn't like my dad because he was one of the dirty Armenians from Lebanon. So they had to elope and escape to 
California, where my dad did the typical um, immigrant uh, Middle Eastern route, opened the liquor store, um, saved every penny he ca- could, started selling cheese, bought another building, bought another building. Smart. Here I am. I love it. <laughs> I know. It's so Great cool. Story. Patrick, what podcast were you just on and what did you talk about over there? So we just hit, we just did an episode right now with Jack Barsky, a former 15-year KGB member who uh, was a spy for the Russians. He was recruited in uh, Germany when he was in Germany. And then he went in and he was trying to infiltrate Jimmy Carter's administration to get information. So he came in here with a fake alias name, Jack Barsky, who died in the 30s, an 11-year-old kid that they use as a name uh, to use. And this is the second time we had him on. And we talked about Yuri Bezmenov. I don't know how familiar you are with Yuri Bezmenov. And we talked about, you know, what's going on between Ukraine and Russia. Just a very, (laughs) very interesting conversation we just had. Okay, good. And did, did he interview you or did you interview him? No, I interviewed him. This is the second time I had him on. Uh, has anyone ever um, interviewed you? I know I saw Joe Rogan attempted to interview you. <laughs> yes, I, ha- I have. A, uh, I have been interviewed. I would say Brian Rose did a great job. Lewis House did uh, those two did a phenomenal job. And, you know, Tom Bill, you a few other guys. But uh, uh, obviously Joe Rogan and, and I when we had that uh, conversation as well. But, uh, yeah, a few people have. Uh, we, we gave the, um, audience a, um, a background before you came on. It was kind of nice that you came on, um, a few minutes, uh, after the show started. Cause it kind of let me settle my nerves. It was like, I was in the room first. So I got to ambush you. So, so I, I, I actually, when I saw you were going to be a few minutes later, I was like, yeah, good, good. I'll be warmed up a little bit. Um, in that interview with Joe Rogan, I'd like to get to that at some point. Um, I read your book simultaneously. I, I listened to your book simultaneously. Very well read. Thank you. While listening to that podcast, and I got to see you actually apply the book to Joe Rogan, and it was fascinating. And I don't know if I would have caught that if I didn't read the book and watch the podcast um, or, 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 or listen to one and, and watch the other in conjunction. I, I may have missed that. So um, – uh, it, it, it was fascinating. And uh, yeah, I, the, I, I would be terrified if, if I if I catch you start asking me questions. Uh, I'm going to pl- I have a sword over here. <laughs> <laughs> I am not. I mean, it, it wasn't anything bad. Joe is great. Don't Joe is great. Don't get me wrong. But man, that was fascinating to see you do that. Um, could we pull down that brand um, off of Patrick's face? Yeah. Patrick, when you fill out forms. And you have to put your name in the box. Does the hyphen get its own box? Uh, no, it's it's it's, it's we we do, we do it exactly the way you got it right now. Okay, so there's a space between your. So your last name is Bet David. It is, and there's a hyphen between Bet David. But when it comes out to Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, you know any of that, you you don't put the hyphen in there. How about on your tax forms? You do. You, you put do. It in there. Yeah, and- you put it in there. And are you, your parents named you Patrick? Yes. My uh, mom is, is uh, my mom's Armenian. My dad's Assyrian. And my mother wanted to name me Sasha because they're from Baku. So Azerbaijan, Baku, Armenian. 
She wanted to name me Sasha. My dad said never in a million years is he going to name Sasha. I'm kind of glad because I don't see myself as a Sasha Bed David. Like I see Sasha Baron Cohen. I don't see Sasha Bed David. And my dad liked the name Patrick, gave me the name Patrick. But my dad also, uh, my mother wanted to name my sister Natasha. And my dad liked Paulette. And I think Paulette's a French name, like Paulette as in P-A-U-L-E-T-T-E. And then she eventually changed her name to P-O-L-E-T. So it's Patrick and Paulette. Uh, some people who don't know my background, they think I'm like a Mohammed who became a Patrick. But no, I've been a Patrick my entire life. Yeah, that's what I was guessing. I was guessing Patrick wasn't your uh, birth name. And um, it's interesting that your parents named that your mom wanted Natasha. That's a Russian name. And that my sister's name is Tanya, which is also a Russian name. But but they agreed on it. And she got the Russian name. And I, I, and I got Seb on the Armenian name. It's a lake in Armenia. You do have so an Armenian name. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and tell me about Bet David. Um, I, I have a lot of uh, Jews in my circle. My wife's a Jew. My stepmom's a Jew. And they're telling me that this Bet thing means I'm like father of or kingdom of, or it's got some sort of like, you got some Jew in you. Yeah. So, so there is, there is Bet in, uh, uh, there's Ben and there is Bet. Okay. Bet in Assyrian means Beta. Beta means house. So Bet David means the house of David. Ben means sometimes the son of David. But in this situation, Beta, David, Bet David, house of David. And, and, but there's no, there's no Jewish descent in that. That was just zero. No, I'm not Jewish. You know, I did an ancestry about a year and a half ago. You know, that whole thing where they take your saliva, you send it in and you, Hoping you, you what your parents have told you is true and no one hooked up with somebody. <laughs> yes, <else>. yes. <laughs> so I did that and it came back and it showed everything was accurate except 18% Italian. And no one ever told me this. So I called my mom. I said, Mom, who hooked up with an Italian? She says, In Chesasum, what are you talking about? Shame on you. I'm like, I'm telling <laughs> you what ancestry told me. I'm not telling you anyone hooked up with an Italian. Don't get upset at me. And then I called call my dad. And my dad's like, I have no clue somebody hooked up with an Italian. He says, all I know is you look like your mom and your dad. So that's all you need to know. The rest is none of our business. I said, okay, all right, whatever. So but it, it came out, you know, uh, uh, what my lineage was supposed to be. Who knows? Maybe somebody in the family was Jewish, but Bet David is an Assyrian last name. Did you use a fake name when you did the um, DNA test? No, I used my name. You did. Why I didn't you use a fake name? I kind of like what you're saying, though. There's like an espionage, uh, secrecy, CIA type of thing you're doing. You're well, we got we got one of my kids, um, 23 and me. We use a fake name because, like, you know, let's say I had some uncle that killed someone. Yeah. We didn't want him to get fucked for it. But <laughs> my kid was uh, half. He's 51 percent Ashkenazi Jew and 49 percent Armenian. And that I didn't even know. I've been with my wife for like 20 years. I didn't know she was Ashkenazi. Those are the smart inbred wow. ones. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, you know what? I, I, I think That's a good kid, right? That's a, I have three of those. That's like you caught a good fish. How, how old are they? What are, what are their ages? Two, uh, Patrick, careful. My show. <laughs> I see what you're I'm already sensitive to. It. Five, two five-year-olds and a seven-year-old. Two five-year-olds and a seven-year-old. Cool. I got a, I got a 10, eight, five, and an eight-month-old. Eight-month-old baby. Two boys, two girls. Um. Congratulations, by the way. That's really fun. And I also appreciate the fact that you show your kids on your Instagram. I, I, I appreciate that a lot. I have, listen, I have a, they were in the office yesterday. Well, the middle, uh, the, uh, the youngest son, the oldest son, actually the oldest son was in the office yesterday. The youngest son was in the office the day before. 
Today was supposed to be my daughter's day to come here with me, but she has a play date with her friend, her best friend from school. So she chose her friend to go on the beach, uh, then to come to the office with daddy, which I support that decision. I think it's a wise decision. I think it's a wise decision too. Uh, Patrick Bet David is in Florida. Are you on the Gulf side or the Atlantic? I am on the Atlantic. I am on the Atlantic. I'm Fort Lauderdale is where I'm at right now. Um, so you have good, you're having good beach days already. Oh my gosh. Listen, last night I walked the dogs and I typically walk them at midnight. And when I walk the dogs and I'm out there, I just think to myself, this weather is insane. Okay. It's absolutely insane what it feels like right now. The weather is like perfection. Now don't get me wrong. Summertime that you're going to have some humid and it's going to get a little bit annoying, but, uh, uh, I'm used to that being Middle Eastern, living in Chatsworth, California, that would get to 115 degrees. It doesn't bother me. But the weather here is great. The water is great. The, you know, all of that stuff. Uh, I'm in love. Just just think about Florida this way. If California, if there was a way where we could have California and Texas make a baby, they would make Florida. <laughs> I like it. I tell people if Howard Stern and Joe Rogan had a baby, you'd be looking at them. <laughs> I like that. I like um, that. Uh, um, h- how old are you, Patrick? 43. 43. Around 37, I, I realized that I like um, hot weather a lot and that like I'm totally comfortable being sweaty all the time. And I realized that like I belong in like a place like Florida or Hawaii for my joints. Like I just not that I have any joint problems, but the hotter and sweatier I am, just the more I- I'm just good. Yeah, you, listen, cold weather, you know, the good thing about cold weather is you get to wear nicer clothes. Yes. You know, that's the one thing about cold weather. Like if you have nice clothes, you, you can get creative. You can't get too creative with warm weather. Like very true. You know, especially with cube. So for fashion purposes, people in New York are always going to dress nicer than people in Miami, right? Or people in South Florida. But everything else, you know, we do we like to ski and snow? I'm not a skier, but I'll go snowboard and I'll take the kids somewhere. We'll have a good time. But uh, I, I like the warm weather as well. I like the warm weather as well. When I was in the Army, I was at uh, Kentucky and Tennessee. And uh, during the winter, it would get cold. But uh, I prefer the warm weather. Um, it, th- what you say is, is true about the clothing. I agree with you 100%. Colder weather allows you to be more creative with your fashion. Warmer weather for those of us who are smart, uh, forces you to have a nicer body because you're more reliant on your physique to uh, woo and impress and to show your um, status and your self-awareness and, and, and less on clothes. So, And you are a, um, a, a six-foot-five man. Is that true? You are a man, right? Yes? I am. As of right now, I, I prefer you call me a man, please. Okay, and, but yes. I am a six-five, yes, I'm a six-five yes. man. I'm going to just um, ask you a loaded question here. In between your last podcast and this one, did you use the restroom? I have not, but I got a big bladder, so I'm okay. Yeah, my dad has a big bladder, too. I got a walnut. <laughs> so my wife always makes fun Mine's of Mine's all on the outside, Patrick, by the way. Don't get confused. Respect. Respect. That's important. That's but I got important. a walnut for a bladder. They use. They only had limited supplies, and they and they aired on 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 the outside. <laughs> yeah, that walnut can be confused for you know. It, it's yes. I'm glad you made that disclaimer. Thank you, thank you. Popular. No, but yeah, I, you know, we we'll go on a road trip, and I already know if I go with Mario and my wife or a couple of the guys that we have, every hour we got to pull over. But yes. uh, no, I can go for six, seven, eight hours. 
Okay. This uh, on 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 my show, you are able at any time to get up and use the bathroom. There is no like if you're just like, hey, I got to use the bathroom, or you got to send someone a text message. We're easy here. Cool. We 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 know that the secret of keeping people happy and friending is uh, friends is to be a low maintenance friend. I like that. Yeah. I like seven. When's your birthday? What month's your birthday? March sixteenth. Get out of here, March sixteenth. Okay, cool. I'm gonna be fifty. Really? You look good. Thank you. You, you should see good. me without this beard. This is just so that because I'm really I be I'm act like a seven year old, so I got to grow this beard <laughs> so that so that people think I'm mature. There, there. This book that you wrote. Um, what's fascinating about this book? Uh, your next five moves: master the art of business strategy. I would like to tell people um, that don't be confused by the word uh, business here. This is a book that if you want to raise kids, there's information in there for you. If you want to be a better person, there's information for you. If you want this to be a better world, there's you know it, there's that information. In you there are concepts in there that you can put onto anything. That will um, that will give you insight into the world, and I'm going to tell you one right now. But I want to give you a cross example real quick. In CrossFit, you can take your level one in CrossFit, and one of the things that they will teach you is is that suffering um, causes adaptation. So if you can do controlled and safe suffering um, through hard work and explosive movements, and really you know putting yourself in oxygen deprivation, you'll adapt. Well, you can take that to parenting. You want to make things hard for your kids in a safe environment. Your kid falls down. You don't run over and pick your kid up. You guys have heard me say this before. What you do is you turn your back to your child and you make sure an alligator or Uncle Buck doesn't get them. You protect your child while your child deals with their suffering. This book said there's a line in this book that's so profound. I mean, there's tons of lines in this book that are so profound. That's why it has 3,500 five-star reviews. Um, it basically says don't confuse the symptom for the issue. And we are living in a society where that has happened um, ad nauseum to a fault. And, and I'll give you the perfect example. The, the symptom is um, – what's funny is this came up on Joe Rogan. The symptom is um, homelessness. So if you try to fix homelessness, you'll never fix it. There is no such thing as homelessness. There, it, 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 I shouldn't say there's no such thing. It's tiny. The issue is drug addiction. The manifestation, the symptom is homelessness. How do I know this? Because I was homeless for two years, and, and an important distinction is I lived in a car for five years. I was only one of two people I ever met of the thousands of other homeless people who wasn't a drug addict. There's two kinds of people who are – well, anyway. So – and another one, I'll, and I'll give you another example. And this, bo and this book isn't telling you that. This book, um, uh, Your Next Five Moves, Master of the Art of Business Strategy by uh, Patrick Bet David is supposed to be a business book. But these ideas in here will give you insight and let you dissect life. The other one is the um, this so-called pandemic that we're in. They they're telling us that there is something called coronavirus that's killing people. There is no there is no coronavirus that's killing people. That is the symptom. The issue is chronic disease. The issue is, is that 30 years ago, 40 years ago, there weren't 300 pound people walking around. Now they're everywhere. That is the problem. The problem isn't the problem is what people put into their mouth and eat and do to themselves, their, their lifestyle choices. And so, and so you can keep using, and there's tons of these in there. When you wrote this book, did you know that there were going to be people like me? Or did you did you see that? Like, oh my God, this isn't just a business book, this is a life book. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, I wrote the book that I would have liked to have read 15, 20 years ago. That that's kind of what I wrote. Like right now, we're writing the 
two books. One of the books I'm writing is a fiction book. I've been working on that for 11 years. And wow, it's a story of a secret society that has access to technology for you to be able to have real conversations with former dead world leaders, whoever you choose. Like you go to into a vault and that painting guy, that's a vault. You enter this uh, vault, you can choose to have a two hour conversation with anybody. Uh, you know, based on the scoring that they have and the data that they've got. So imagine how valuable would it be for me to have a conversation with Alexander the Great? What would he teach us? What would that valuable conversation be with Hitler to see what he did? Why'd you do what you did? What was your motive? Who pissed you off? What what really took place? And then this organization develops the greatest leaders worldwide. That's one book I've been working with for the last 11 years. Hopefully we'll publish in the next few years and bring it out. But why 11 years, Patrick? Because I didn't want to publish it where I was still running a company. I okay. wanted to do it while I was a little bit more uh, – uh, uh, the, the world is going to read it, and they're going to say, what the hell is in this guy's mind? It's a very <laughs> weird book you wrote. But the next book that we're working on is a business planning book, uh, and I think most people don't understand business plans the right way. It's boring to them. That's why they don't read it after February. So I'm writing a plan, business book that's going to be specifically on business plan. But going back to the question with your next five moves, um, to me – Everybody I've met that I'm very impressed with and enamored with, I'm always curious to know what they think. Like, you know, that whole uh, my kid always asks this question and he says, hey, daddy, if you can have any superpower, what would it be? I would want to be able to fly. My middle, my younger son says that. The other one says, I would want to be able to make unlimited wishes. I would want to be able to do this. You know, and what would you want to do? I'm like, I don't know. I, I, it'd be kind of cool to be able to read people's minds. Because I want to know, like, if we could read Putin's mind right now, we could prevent World War III. Mm, mm. If we could read Xi's mind right now, we could prevent a lot of different things. Okay. If we could read Trump and Biden's mind right now, we would be able to say he's probably not ready to be a president. And that guy's motives are not good. They're good. Maybe. So the, the you if you can find out what your opponent is, so then I sit down when I'm talking to people, I'm asking, you know, you ask the questions of the why, what caused you to want to do this? What caused you to get there? How did you lead up to this? What was your first move? Because sometimes like, oh my gosh, I want to have a really, I want to be successful so I can buy a big house and I want to have a Ferrari and a Lambo. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that's move 40, but what's move three, four, five, six, forget about move 40. Yeah. But I, I want to one day be married and have kids. Okay, you want to be a grandpa. I, I want to be a great grandpa one day. Dude, before you become a great grandpa, let's figure out what kind of a girl is a good match for you today. You're single, 23 years old. <laughs> you're swiping right on Tinder every night 50 times. And you're laying, you got a 10% closing ratio. You got you got some work to do. You, you know, your, your game's got some work to do, right? But I think everything is about the people that typically succeed at the highest level, Sevan, I've noticed their sequencing of what they do is the best sequence. The, the, the entire thing for me has come down to sequencing. So part of that is intuition. Part of that is to say you're playing a game. No, I'm going to move number nine to number six. Now I think number six belongs to number 13 because these things got to come before 13. That brain of what you methodically, like Bill Belichick to me is the ultimate football coach sequencing, you know, get a quarterback in, let him be around Brady for three years. Then all of a sudden the owner doesn't let him happen. Kraft gets rid of a, a Garoppolo. Garoppolo goes to, you know, San Francisco. He was trying to get Garoppolo to be the Brady under Drew Bledsoe, to be the Steve Young. 
under Joe Montana. But the guy's all about sequencing, right? The great coaches are like that. Great generals are like that. Right now, Putin is being judged for maybe his sequencing is off, is on. We're going to find that for him, not for the world. He doesn't care about the world. He thinks about his agenda. He thinks about Russia's agenda. But does he have the right sequencing in place? Afghanistan, you know, what happened when we left Afghanistan? That was a cluster, you know what, just purely based on the sequencing. That was a sequencing problem. It wasn't that President Biden didn't make the moves that any other president wouldn't do, but the other president would have done it in a different sequence. Number God, it, that one seems so obvious, doesn't it? Like that one, that one, I was going to ask you, can you give me yeah. some examples of bad? Se- By the way, I'm so sorry, Patrick. This is Matt Souza down here, my producer. I Matt was Sousa. Googling him while you were doing this. To oh. Matt, were you a baseball player? Did you play sports before or? No, no, just a very popular last name with a lot of okay, people. Okay, I got you. I've been trying to find you. There's like 50 <laughs> Matt Souza's. I can't figure out which one you are, so. Yeah, even Matt's if you have owner, my last name. <laughs> Matt's, Matt owns uh, CrossFit Livermore, and he does a lot of work with uh, training special forces, first responders, Very things cool. like that. Yeah. Very cool. And, and, and he's the one who, who um, you know, introduced me to, to your work uh, a year ago, year and a half ago. Well, appreciate you, Matt. Yeah, and I'm taking my notes thoroughly. <laughs> yeah, Matt, so Matt Matt was, by the one, he, he, he gets audio books, and then he gets hard copies if they're good. And so he's like, hey, I got a hard copy of this book. So I'm like, all right, that means I need to read it. <laughs> I like that style. Uh, okay. So I was, I was wondering what a bad example would be. Um, what are, do you have an example of bad sequencing that, um, that, that isn't so obvious? I mean, that one's just really obvious, right? What happened in Afghanistan? You can't take out the, the, the troops before you take out the civilians. Yeah, no, that one is a very obvious one. I mean, the, the examples of sequencing can apply in your, you know, for you and I, personal life, friends, relationship, business, military, politics, sports, depending on where you're looking. I like, for example, okay, let's go through. I had Tom Penn on. Okay. This means nothing to folks who don't follow sports. If you follow sports, you'll Tom Penn is the guy on ESPN that used to do everybody's. He used to be the former general manager, I think for Philadelphia 76ers. And he would say, well, the salary cap is this. And he'd be on ESPN and he would go on that first, you know, they got 18 million. And if they get rid of this guy there, I don't know if you guys watch ESPN, he would show all that stuff. And I'm fascinated by the salary cap stuff. So, okay. I asked him a question. Hey, Tom, if I want to build a team to win a championship, what matters the most, the owner, the GM, the player, or the head coach? So he says, well, he starts thinking, he says, uh, I think to build a championship team, you first need the right owner. I agree. I That's a great question, by the way. I think it's the owner. So he says, owner goes first. Cool. What do you need next? He says, well, next, you're going to need a good coach that a championship player is going to want to play for. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. So who is that? Well, if you bring, like, look at Jordan, you know, you know, he, didn't, he couldn't win with uh, Doug. But he could win with Phil Jackson. So, okay, you need to get this. Then you got to go get a superstar. Then you need a GM. Now, he says some people want to say you bring a superstar first, then you get a coach, then you get a GM. But that's a structure, right? That's all a sequencing conversation, right? Hey, I want to get married. What's the first thing I got to do? First thing I did is I read a book called 101 Questions to Ask Before You Get Engaged, okay? Mm -hmm. And then I took that book, and I was talking to four girls at the time, and I had every one of them read the book, and we went through the exercise together. And I said, dude, I love this one. It's just not going to work out ever in a million years because we're just not on the same wavelength. It's not going to happen. No way in the world. No way in the world. I love her. This one, let's give it a shot. 
I think this is the higher chances. You know, we did the exercise on a Saturday, six hours later. I said, okay, I think this is who's going to be my wife. A year and a half later, after a million and one fights and traveling, all the other stuff, I said, okay, we got married. We got married. We've been together for 12 and a half years. We got four kids. And we take it one year at a time. Marriage is very complicated. I've said, I've said this from day one that we got married. I'm not guaranteeing we got married for the rest of our life. People were banking. This thing's not going to last two years. I'm Middle Eastern. I'm very, you know, my energy is like this. And my wife's white from Texas, and she's very calm. I remember at my wedding, one of the groomsmen, uh, uh, there's like 500 people at the wedding. He gets up and he says, look, I can see you guys are all concerned. You know, we had the blue-eyed people on one side. The- <laughs> the side. He said and, that? Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt about it. He says, look, I was also concerned whether this was going to work out or not. But I finally sat there and been spending the last six months wondering why I think this could work out. Well, Patrick's from the Middle East and she's from Texas. I realized they have two things in common. I think this one's definitely going to work out. They both uh, like oil and weapons of mass destruction. This is for sure going to be a great move. <laughs> Everybody got up, started dancing. It was hilarious. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. But, but you know, you know, a, a, a lot of it is policy. When you deliver your policy, like right now, you know, with the handling of oil, what are we going to do? Gas prices are going up 30% is the right move to go negotiate with Venezuela and Iran and Saudi Arabia, or is the right move for us to get our own oil for three months to lower the prices for 30, you know, 60, 90 days. And if they don't, how bad is the midterms going to look? All of this is sequencing. It's purely a game. And we're never going to get the hundred percent sequencing because nobody walks on water, but your goal is to be 70%, 80% right. And the pros are typically there. They typically get the right sequence of decisions they're making. It's nuts. And I, I like the way you tied that back in with sequencing. Um, one of the one of the one of the pieces in the book is uh it, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm paraphrasing, but as a leader to take absolute responsibility and accountability. And I just this morning I saw a video of someone asking Joe Biden, what do you think about gas prices? And he says it's Putin's fault. And it, it broke my heart. It, he says things as the leader of this country that just break my heart. And uh, what do you have an opinion on that that you'd be willing to share on you that know, kind of response from the leader of the United States of America? I, I had a conference call with a few of my leaders the other day, and these are guys I'm consulting and and uh, uh, and and couple of them are having explosive years, and one of them is not having an explosive year. And I said, anytime you're not winning. The last thing we want to do when we're not winning is to take responsibility. When we're not winning, we like to blame. We like to lash out. We like to point the responsibility out. We hide. We go in flight mode. We go in freeze mode. We, you know, the fight, flight, freeze. We go in those two modes. But the reality of it is my only interest is what do I have control over? Okay, not what I don't have control over. What do I have control over? You know, when we go through a breakup, the first thing we want to do is tell our friends why, you know, she's bad, why he's bad. Oh, but you don't know her. She fooled you. She's a bad girl. Oh, he's a dog. Oh, she's a this. Oh, he's a that. Who cares? Which part of the relationship that didn't work out do you have control over that you and I can improve? That's really the only thing I care about. All the other stuff, I don't care about. FYI, this whole concept of us being afraid of being publicly humiliated is overrated. 
Everyone's naked today, folks. You know how long it'll take for one person to find out if you voted left or right? One minute. Allow somebody to get on your Facebook page or Twitter page. I, I can come up with 50 facts about you. You're naked. Get over it. We're mm. all naked. Mm. Everyone knows your, you know, whether you're good looking or not, whether you're well-spoken or not, whether you're smart or not, whether your opinions are based on emotions or whether you have the ability to reason, whether you're Republican, Democrat, independent, you like the Lakers, you hate the Lakers, you like LeBron, you don't like LeBron, you're pro-BLM, you're against a BLM, you're, you know, uh, uh, on Ukraine side, on Russia side, we're all naked. So if the world we're living in, we're fully naked today, what does that mean? You have two choices. You can either delete everything you have online, delete Instagram, delete Facebook, delete Twitter, delete YouTube, get off everywhere. Don't write anything, no blog posts, no email, say nothing. And you try to kind of live under the radar and go live that life. Fine. Some people want to do that. No problem. But if you choose to get in and post anything about opinions, don't bitch if somebody calls you a moron or whatever else. You did it to yourself. If you don't like that, don't share an opinion. Keep it to yourself. Okay? It, it, don't be upset when people say stuff. So I think this whole concept of public humiliation, like Westbrook is being interviewed and he says, this is starting to get very hard on my family. This guy plays for the Lakers. I'm a, I was a diehard fan of this guy. He's like, he's, you know, this is very hard on our family. My kid went to school the other day and the teacher said that my son was always so proud to write the name Westbrook. And now he's being hurt because they're calling his daddy Westbrook and people got to stop. <laughs> because he bricks shots. Yeah. Because he That's doesn't awesome. make shots. and I'm sitting there, I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> brother, you can go practice two hours mm -hmm. to prove your shot. You used to be an 85% free throw shooter. You're 60%. What caused that? The media fans, the economy, or your lack of practice? Do you go back and look at the way you used to? Do you watch tape? Are you doing anything to improve yourself? So we're living in an era that when you're talking about Biden and it's like, hey, you know, a guy asked her a question, lady asked her a question yesterday, asked him a question yesterday. Hey, President Biden, what's going to happen to gas prices? They're going to go up. What can we do about it? Nothing. It's Russia's fault. That, that's not a responsible message. You know, rather you can say, well, the current climate definitely doesn't help it with what we're going through with Russia and Ukraine and inflation. But I can tell you one thing for a fact, my administration is spending a lot of time right now coming up with options to help alleviate the average American with the crisis that they're facing with oil prices. We feel your pain. We're thinking about you. We're working on it. That's the right answer, not the other answer. You know, or, or how about we're opening We're going to start building the, the pipeline back. Yeah, I mean, you see this, right? Yeah, building the pipe. But even if they don't want to do that, because you know they don't want to do that. Rather, they say, well, ExxonMobil's profits are this much, and, you know, Chevron is making this much money and that much money. So let's blame those yeah. guys. That's who Blaming's insane. Yeah. So, But if you blame them, then you have to ask the question. These guys had record-breaking profit years three years ago, but gas prices were two bucks. So you lose your excuse. So what do you say now? Oh, but math is not really math. You don't know the stop. So now you're just going <laughs> to play games because math doesn't lie. Uh, anyways, yeah, there, there's a lot of uh, gibberish going on today, but we have to look at both sides and try to do your best to reason and listen to both arguments. 
And if you have the ability to reason, you'll win long term. Patrick, would you say that this is fair to say? Uh, and I, and I, I, please don't anyone take this as a dig against rich people. Rich people are great. We should all there's tons of great people here on the planet, but rich people don't care about the price of avocados or the price of gas at all. You can tax the shit out of gas. Gas can go up to $15 a gallon. Avocados can be $12 a piece. That's not that rich people do not have like they give zero fucks. That's like the coolest thing about being rich because when you're at your car pumping your gas, you can look in the back seat of the window and smile at your kids. You don't have to worry about stopping it at $40. And so when I see these people like um, uh, Colbert, I, 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 that he's willing to pay $15, there's a um, – oh, I, I, I think without telling us, hey, the reason why I pay – I'm I, I think that you should have to say I'm rich as fuck. Like you should have to like – and that's okay. I like I, – I, 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 the reason why it's okay is any of you who resent rich people, you will not become rich. And let me tell you, those of you who say you don't care about money, it's a huge, it's a huge, it's a huge mistake. Here's why. Because good people do good things with money. And so if you think you're a good person, you should want to be rich so you can do good things for this planet. AJ uh, Fletcher, UFC fighter who's 9 and 0, 26-year-old man, explained that to me the other day. I was like, damn. Damn, you're a wise man. Uh, yeah. Is that true? Rich people don't care, right? You're not hurting the rich people. By, yeah, by making I mean, gas $12 a gallon, they don't give a fuck. I, I can't think of the last time like I looked at the price point for gas for me. Right. I do, so, so but, but here's the point. It's so amazing that. But it's real for some people. Of course it is. Like I was telling Adam today, Adam's like, uh, well, my mom uh, says, uh, I called my mom and I said, mom, are you noticing gas prices going up? Yes. How much did you pay? How often do you fill up your tank? Once a week. Okay, what did you typically pay? $40. What did you pay this week? $50. Does that bother you? No, it's just gas prices went up $10. I'm just spending $40 more. And Adam's like, uh, the average person doesn't feel it. I said, no, 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 I'm sorry. Your mom is not the average person. She's mm. 70 years old, retired, and doesn't have you when you were eight years old dropping you off at one soccer practice, then baseball mm. practice, then basketball practice, and picking you up, dropping you off, going to work, picking up groceries, doing this, doing that, and she's spending. She's gonna feel it, and that's the average family that's 35 year old, married with kids, trying to make it work. They have a school debt they're paying off. You know, they have a mortgage they're trying to pay off. They have their you know, kids that they're going to school and all this other, they're going to feel it. Here's a kicker. You know, what's so funny. Some policies that come out and people are like, oh, my God, minimum wage. Rich people don't want minimum wage to pass. Are you serious? Let, 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 let me get this straight. You really think the, the ultra super rich don't want minimum wage? Let me simplify it for you. Do you know how quickly Amazon went to $15 an hour to look like the good guy when Bernie Sanders called them out? Mm -hmm. Do you know how quickly Walmart went to $15 an hour? Do you know how much money they have? Walmart employs 2.4 million people worldwide. Amazon is a trillion-dollar company. Watch this. Do you know who can't afford 15 bucks an hour? Uh. Let me tell you who cannot afford 15 bucks an hour <laughs> to pay their cashiers. Here's who. It's that small market that was in Fresno for 55 years who employs 17 people that now a Walmart is across the street, they rely on being able to pay $9 an hour to a 16-year-old kid that's helping back something or clean something up. Now they have to go to 15. They can't afford it. 
Walmart can't afford it. And me, if I buy one of these Sharpies, you buy one of these Sharpies, you buy for $3. I'm just making up a number. This Sharpie, one of them is $3. 10 of them is a buck 50. A hundred of them is 50 cents. A thousand of them is 25 cents. Well, Walmart buys 10 million of this. So Walmart pays five cents, 10 cents, nine cents. They can afford it. The small business owner cannot afford it. They're, they're only buying a thousand of these or a hundred of these. This is basic common sense. So we should raise the minimum wage. It hurts the smaller people, not the bigger people. The billionaires don't give a shit. Oh, let's, you know, let's print, let's print money because then let's send money to low and middle income families. You know what billionaires behind clothes are say? I hope you guys print some more. Why do you think that is? Because money always flows up to billionaires who have a product to sell to everybody else because what many politicians don't want to do with low and middle income, they don't want to teach you how money works. Because if you don't know how money works, they can constantly convince you they're on your side, and many of them are not. That's just the reality of it. Everything sounds like this whole Robin Hood movie where some politicians are like, well, look at what Robin Hood did. He stole from the rich and gave it to the poor. That's a lie. Robin Hood stole from the government and gave it to the small business owner who was creating jobs. Robin Hood wasn't stealing from the rich and giving it to the poor. In uh, the Robin Hood, the rich was the uh, government. The rich wasn't the billionaires. The rich was the government. So all of these, all of these ways of manipulating young, innocent people like you know, I'm a regular guy that was coming up and I'm like, hey, that's just who I am. Hey, this is who I am. I remember one time I went to school and my mom, uh, uh, our uh, uh, classroom started talking about politics and Democrat, Republican, independent. Like, Shit, I know nothing about this stuff. But I remember my mom and dad fighting because my mom's a communist and my dad was a imperialist in Iran. I go to my mom. I'm like 13, 14 years. I said, mom, are we Democrats or Republicans? And my mom said, uh, baby, we're Democrats. I said, tell me why we're Democrats. She said, because Democrats are for the poor. Uh, Republicans are for the rich. Same here. Same here. Right. And I, you know what I told her? I said, mom, when I grow up, I want to be Republican. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, well, you mean? understood it correctly. She didn't understand it correctly. My parents didn't understand it correctly, too. It's they tell you that the Democrats are for the poor. But what they really mean to say is Democrats want to keep you poor and, and Republicans want to get everyone rich. And, and, and they, they, they forgot to mention that piece. Yeah, you know, you know, when did you realize that and how did you realize that, by the way? Because it took me a long time. And if it wasn't for um, some very dedicated people who beat it into my brain for 10 or 15 years, I would still be a Democrat. You know, I got to tell you, half of it is when you go into business and you go into the military and let's just say we have to move sandbags. Mm -hmm. You guys got to move these thousand sandbags over there. Okay. All right. You guys ready? Let's go. So I move a sandbag every 20 seconds. One guy's like, you know, eating, drinking and whatever. And he's moving a sandbag a minute and he just sits like Johnson. What are you doing? Let's go. No, man, I'm good. You guys got it. No, no, no. Got to carry the weight. Come on, move some sandbag. Hour later, we're sweating. Okay. We're dehydrated. I move 200 sandbags. You know, uh, uh, Perry moved 200 sandbags. Jackson moved 200 sandbags. Johnson moved 20 sandbags sitting there saying, what the hell? I'm sorry, bro. No, that's not cool. And then when we go in front of everybody, you want us to all recognize you as well? No, no, no. You could have moved it. You just didn't want to move it. But now we have to say we fulfilled the mission. No, you're holding us back. 
that that mission, I could have only done 180 and everybody could have done 180, but we had to do 200 because you don't want to do more than 50. So you start experiencing this kind of resentment towards people that want to don't want to carry their own little red wagon. I'm like, wait a minute, I don't like that. And I go to Johnson. I said, Johnson, that's not cool what you just did. Well, listen, I'm not as healthy as you. I said, bro, every time I go to lunch, I see you eating cheesecake. Who told you to eat three cheesecakes? You sit right across from me. You eat three cheesecakes. Why are you eating three cheesecakes? I don't eat three cheesecakes. Well, I'm, you don't understand what it is to be, you know, having deficiencies, this, all these big words that y'all will have this deficiency. I, I also like cheesecake. <laughs> I also like ice cream. But I also know I want to not be 280 pounds. I want to move. No, that, you're, you're just judging. I'm not judging, bro. Go lose some weight and stop changing your habits. So then you go into sales and you see it in sales. Then you start a company. I remember one of my guys, one day we're having a conversation about Obamacare. And he's in my car. I'm like, listen, tell me about Obamacare. Well, these rich people, we should redistribute the wealth. What, what problem do you have with redistributing the wealth? I said, what problem do I have? Yes. What's wrong with redistributing the wealth? I said, dude, you didn't earn it. You got to go earn it. I said, do you realize, like, who do you think funded the churches in America? People that gave $5? Or do you think the guy that's quietly going to church that cut a $5 million check? What do you think these charities get their monies from? $3 donations? Or do you think somebody behind closed doors is giving billions of dollars or millions of dollars? What do you think Elon Musk just did that gave $5.9 billion to charity that he just announced? What do you think? How much? How much? Who's given that money? These guys are giving the money through charity. No, we got to redistribute the wealth. I said, okay. So watch what happens. Three years later, he gets a fat bonus check, and it's twenty-two thousand dollars. And I call him up. It's like some number like that. It's a big number, a good number for him. And I say, hey, just wanted to call you. Is your wife with you? Yes. Hey, congratulations, guys. You guys are getting a big check, and uh, very excited for you guys. And you know what? I've been working on this whole thing you were telling me about three years ago, and you've really impacted my life. And he says, really? I said, do you remember when we talked about Obamacare? Yeah, I won't apologize because I think you were right. He says, well, you know, it's okay, Patrick. You know, it takes us some time to really embrace some of it. I said, no, I'm, I'm getting more mature. So here's what I'm doing. Uh, you know, this big bonus that you're getting, uh, I know it was a team effort. And your 40 guys really in your office, your agents, were the reasons why you're getting this bonus. So I did the math and I'm dividing this money amongst 500 uh, 40 people. And they're each going to get $500. And I just want to recognize you for being such a noble leader that you're willing to distribute your bonus amongst your best people in your office. Your name will be on all the checks. You'll get the credit. <laughs> and he stays quiet. And he says, uh, I, don't, I don't think that's fair. I said, no, no, it is fair. Because you didn't do it all by yourself. You didn't build it by yourself. Your employees did. You didn't do it. That's why I want to give the bonus to everybody. No, no. And he gets upset at me. And then I wait and I'm just smiling. And I finished the call and I said, you know what? You're right. You earned this big bonus. And if you choose to give any of it to anybody else, it's your choice. You don't have to do it. And I'm not going to force you to do it. Ten second pause. He says his only words. He says, I get your drift. Said, <laughs> no problem. Money's on its way. Money sent on his way. See, see, this is when experiences like this, you say, what do you do in a situation like that? That guy earned that bonus. If he wants to give it, he has to choose to do it. I'm not going to force him to do it. So capitalism, eventually, when you stick around long enough and you're a worker, you realize 
it's the fairest system out there because it's equal opportunity. Look at me. I'm a regular guy. Okay. Parents got a divorce. My dad was a cashier at a 99 cent store right next to Great Western Forum. Okay. I would go buy shirts and I would sell them. I would sell hats because I would buy for 99 cents at a 1.8 GPA, GPA in school. I uh, wasn't good in ASVAB test. My SAT suck on what I did on my SAT. 880, was, 880. 880 is my score, by the way. I got 880. You got 880? I got no, why, but I read your book. Oh, yeah, I can't tell you mine. I can't oh, tell I you mine. I'm too word. embarrassed. I got 880 on my SAT. You beat me. Yeah. So so then I go to the Army. I'm about to stay there for 30, 20 years and do my 20 years, and I get out. And then I get into sales, and my life changes, and I start making okay money, and then I make real money. And then today, yeah, I'm sorry. I, 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 I'm I a bipolar. This book is sitting here. I haven't read this book yet. It's called Founders. Okay. I don't know if this book is good or not. Just came out two weeks ago. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to read it. I have the audio and I have the book. I'm not endorsing this book because I haven't read it yet. Well, guess what? I'm going to read it. It's the story I just bought it. I just bought it. Okay, cool. <laughs> you know, but, but what I'm trying to say is anybody can read 10 books a year, 20 books a year. 30, and I'm not talking about 50 shades of gray. I'm talking books. You can read business books. You can improve yourself. You can do that, but you don't want to do that. Well, then don't blame the world for it because you dictate your destiny. Maybe some of us are born on the wrong right side of the tracks, and I get it. I, I was born and I, I lived in an area where people around me were, I, I, you know, my first car I bought myself, I bought it for an MS-13 leader. The next week I got arrested right outside of Arena in L.A. because they thought I was MS-13. And they made me take off my shirt to see if I had a Mala Sabatrucha tattoo. And I didn't. I'm like, I'm not part of MS-13. He says, this car is the owner of MS-13. I said, I just bought it last week. He said, let me see the, I showed it to him. He said, oh, till two o'clock in the morning, they kept me. They thought I'm the guy from MS-13. I'm not MS-13. I was around AP. I was around all those guys, Blood Diamonds. It's that 17% Italian in you. You know, it is what it is. But the point is, the point is, at the end of the day, when the average person like me, the regular guy like me who watches this podcast, when you watched Rocky at the end, Rocky Four, and you got emotional, there's a reason to it. When you watched Lean on Me and Morgan Freeman is challenging, pushing, and they became leaders, you got emotional. When you watch Gladiator and he redeems himself, you cried. When you watch Pursuit of Happiness and you saw when he's telling his kid, don't even let me discourage you from your dreams, you connected to it. You know why? Because there's a, there's something we all have in common together. We all have dreams. And they're different dreams. And you have to pay very close attention to politicians on which dream they're selling you. If they're selling you your, their dream, I don't buy it. I, wanna, I want you to sell me what I can do to have my dreams become a reality. Not to give up on my dreams. I don't want you to feel sorry for me or sympathize for me because you're getting me further from my dreams. People are dreamers. When you and I go to sleep, we dream. And that machine gets broken by politicians because they don't want you to have aspirations, God forbid, because you no longer need them. What is one of the biggest defining moments between a father and a son or a father and a mom, uh, between a son and a mother? When the mother realizes the son no longer needs you, you can no longer use that. I'm not going to give you the, what do you call it? The, the What is it that parents give to their kids per every week? Allowance. Allowance. I'm not going to give you allowance. I'm not. And you're like, mom, I don't care about the allowance. 
<laughs> if you do this, I'm going to give you a pow pow. I'm like, mom, you just hit me. Your arm hurts. What are you doing? <laughs> that, moment, that moment where parents lose control of the kids, that's the moment that many politicians who are driven by control don't like it if you and I can go have our dreams become a reality and we don't need them. That pisses them off. Uh, uh, Patrick, bet David just gave you and me and everyone listening a line that all successful people know, and you should be wary about people who do this to you. I don't want you to feel sorry for me. Successful people do not want anyone to feel sorry for them because when someone feels sorry for you, what it does is it reinforces the fact that your narrative inside of yourself, that what's happening to you is someone else's fault and they've taken control away from you. It's a very slick move. It's a vile move. We should never be arguing other people's limitations. If you can't tell someone, shut the fuck up and pull your pants up, don't say anything to them. That's okay too. When I told my mom, when I was 23 years old or 25 years old, and I told my mom, hey, mom, I'm, I'm addicted to marijuana. I, 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 I've been, I wake up every morning and smoke it like it's like bad. My mom didn't say it. She just goes, oh, that sounds like a problem. You better take care of that. I never smoked weed again after that. She gave it no fucking energy. She didn't say, she didn't say, oh, I feel sorry for you. She didn't show me she was worried. Uh, you better take care of that shit. Left me on my own. I tell my mom that story. She's like, I don't remember saying that. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're screwing up the story, mom. You're supposed to say, you learned that from generations <laughs> of hardworking Armenians. I don't remember that. Uh, Patrick, um, so many doors you're opening. Man, I, 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 there's this, um, I want to talk about the army. I, I want to talk about what you saw when you looked out of the car and you look back what you saw at that bridge as a 10 year old boy. Um, but, but one of the things that you, um, is, is a theme in your, in your stories is women. There is always a, 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 a string. And, um, I, we had uh, Ben Mesrick on the show. He is the, do you know who that is? He's the author of, um, uh, that movie, the, the social network. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And he's written like 35 books. He's a cool dude. Oh, by the way, do you know – this is totally off subject here. Do you know who Peter Bogosian is? I had him on. I had him on eight months ago. You did? Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. I can't wait to see that. Yeah, I had Yeah, him man. I would love to see that. I can't get him on, so I, I can't get him on. So I was like, oh, shit, I'm going to tell Patrick to get him on. So uh, I can be interviewed. How was he? Uh, he was good. We had oh, good you didn't like him. You didn't like him. No, no, I thought I thought he was you have to realize at this point I've interviewed so many people, but I thought yeah. I thought Peter was I thought Peter, you know, if you got a, a, a Jordan Peterson community or Gatsad or you know, if you're part of that community, you would like conversation with Peter. I just I have you seen his YouTube channel where he talks about uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion and he defines mm-hmm. those words? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just love that. I just I just love I just love what he's doing. I love um, the fact that when they did that project where they wrote fake papers with yes. fake names, yes, and they yes. Said, you know, thirty-eight percent, and it's all bullshit. It's all made up, and they actually published the papers because it leaned towards what they, and then they exposed them publicly, and they felt like idiots. You know, I I, I like how he took the angle of exposing. He pretty much trolled the media, and it it, it wasn't a good look for the media. No, nothing is a good look for the media. How about yesterday, two days ago, is National Serial Day, which is probably, I would argue, the cornerstone of all everything that's wrong in this country right now, kids eating cereal, and the FDA says you should feed your kid a bowl of cereal today. And I'm like, that's the Food and Drug Administration? They had to turn the comments off on that post. It's 
It's insane. Um, but there's this threat when Ben Ben Mesrick was on Ben Mesrick was on, and one of the things in his book is that is that he says Mark Zuckerberg started Facebook to get girls. And there's this thing that people don't realize that is really this this truth about men that we we really love women and that there's this goal we really want to. We're, we're confused about it because we, you know, we're born and we have this runaway testosterone and we want to fuck everyone. But the truth is, is that we really at some point want to really str- – a lot of us do. Um, there's a tremendous value in, in being with one woman and committing to that relationship and working through it, and it, and it does get better. It's like a – like if you don't put in that time with the woman, you won't ever have a giant oak. You'll have just a bunch of little oaks, and you won't see – you won't get the fruits of what a, 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 tr- a tree that's gone through maturation can give you. Um And there's this thing that you say in the book that you say you will not sleep with a woman. I mean, this is this is just fucking amazing. Uh, You will not sleep with a woman until you make a million dollars. And this thing that rules the planet, Facebook, for some people, I don't do Facebook, but this guy created this to get girls. And you put like a a filter on your life that would stop you from having sex until you made a million dollars. Had, how did you come up with that? I do weird shit like that too. Like, uh, like I would, like when I was a young man, I'd be at the gym and I'd be like, I'd be on the treadmill and like, I'd look across and there'd be some hot chick who I had no chance of getting, but I'd be like, if I can finish this mile in the next 30 seconds, that chick will go out with me. And I'd finish the next 30 seconds and she'd never go out with me. But I always set goals like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> how did you come yeah. up with that? And did you think at some point after 12 months, oh, fuck, what have I done? I'm going to die. I'm going to die never having oh, sex again. I thought it was going to fall off. That was my biggest concern. But uh, no. So so I I, uh, I had a guy that told me he did that and it took him three years. Oh. Because of this concept called sex transmutation written by a guy named Thinking Grow Rich Napoleon Hill. Uh, that the same desire you have when you're in the heat of the moment that you're willing to tell the girl anything to get what you want. Oh, baby, I love you. Yeah. I love you. You're the most beautiful girl. You'll say anything dumb to get what you want. If you apply that energy towards business, you'll win. But also the other thing for me is for some people, it's not sex. Like tell that to a 20-year-old virgin. It's like, shit, I've been waiting 20 years to have sex. It's like, I have <laughs> right. 10 more years, you know? Right. But, but, but it's it's whatever you're addicted to. That's what that is. It's video games for some. It's playing poker for some. It's playing, you know, solitary for some. It's playing Scrabble for some. It's watching Netflix for some. I mean, it's whatever is consuming your mind that you're addicted to. Go on a diet of that. That's what the idea is. And that that energy where you want it, you put apply it in somewhere else and it wins. Now, I remember I went 17 months. And uh, that 17 months, you know, it was not an easy 17 months. And and the first time after 17 months, I, like I said, I think she's still in the hospital. But the, <laughs> it, 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 17 months is what it was. But uh, yeah, it was it was a it was an interesting 17 months. But it created so much urgency. Seven. Oh my god! If hey. you only knew how much urgency it created. <laughs> Did, was there was there did, did you have a did you go to the eight how did you know when you'd reached a million dollars like did you see what, what was the what metric were you looking at well, think about it think about it this way so you know the the when the later the night would get i'd have to call a couple girls to go spend time with them right but now i'm not doing that 
Or if, if those you right. know the girls were not available, then I got to go out there prospecting. Then I have to go somewhere. And right. that process takes time to meet, flirt, drink. Hey, right. you, where do you live? You know, that, that takes time. The and courtship. The courtship takes time. Like freaking, you know, 11 hours. Like, give me a break. Like some 38 hours. And you're calculating how many hours it took until finally, oh, I got what I wanted. Now, if if that's not the motive and that's not the goal, what are you doing Friday night? Well, Friday night, you're kind of making 50 other calls till nine o'clock at night. And then you're planning your week and you're strategizing and you're improving your presentation and you're reading a book, you're watching a video, you're taking a course and then you're coming in sharper on Saturday because you didn't, you know, stay with a girl till four o'clock in the morning and you're coming in on four hours and you're grumpy, you have an attitude, you don't close well. Because you're annoyed, your energy is down, and people can tell your eyes, you have bags here, your hair is a mess, you don't look good, so you're not confident, you don't close better. No, you're coming into work with a good amount of energy, you're focused, you're coming at 7 a.m. rather than 10 o'clock on a Saturday, you're working on Saturday. So while the average person works four and a half days, now you're working six days plus Sundays. After I was done, I would go to the office at 6 o'clock at night and work till 10 o'clock at night. I had an edge. My week became the average person's two weeks. Right, and eventually right. you're you're going and you're like, wait a minute, there's the market favors this. Oh my God, I can't believe what I'm making right now. This is crazy. This works. Where the distractions, and then comes, you know, the results. And and the results, and by the way, it didn't take a long time for me to get the results. It was it was like boom, 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 boom. It was very intentional, very focused for that 17 months. And how did you know you had a, the 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 million dollars in assets, or what what metric were you looking at? Were you looking at a bank account, I, or did you- I was tracking all my assets? I started tracking my my credit score used to be four eighty four, four ninety five, four ninety nine, and I created an Excel spreadsheet. And every uh, month, I would run my credit on the eighteen with True Credit or free one of those websites that's eighteen bucks a month, and it would give me my score, and I would track my score. And then on the bottom, I had my checking account, saving account, all my credit cards, MBNA, Discover, Amex, whatever my credit cards were. And their interest rates next to it and how much I had and what it was going lower and lower. And then my card collection, my art collection, my mutual fund, my stocks. And I would every month I would update that. Every month I would update that. Every month I would update that. And I said, okay, boom, here's what, oh, okay, boom, here's all oh, this stock just went up. Oh, this mutual fund. And then suddenly that grew and the value of the business and the value of investments combined together led to, okay, we cracked that number. And then, you know. So was it on an 18th that you that you stepped your foot, your, your, your back into the game? Like, was it literally like you saw in your spreadsheet? You're like, oh shit, $1 million and $3. No, no. Hey, sweetheart, how are you? <laughs> I was, I was at a, I was at a, uh, uh, I was at a invited to a party by my sister and my brother-in-law. And the, uh, this was at the 17th month. And this freaking dropped it. Gorgeous girl was there. And I'm like trying to avoid her. And at this point, there was just too much, you know, magic in the air. And I just said, look, are you having fun? She says, no. I said, neither am I. You want to leave? Yes. I said, why don't we go for a drive? And then, you know, it was catastrophic afterwards. But that's what happened. <laughs> what, what a great what a great line to use uh, on, on a on a potential uh, mate. Uh, I've, I've been abstaining from sex until I was worth a million dollars. And today is the day. Ah. I mean, what a great, it's honest. (laughs) It's honest. Oh my God. 
Um, when what happened? I, I think you say in your book that you were, or, or somewhere, somewhere I heard you say that you were a Democrat, then a Republican, and then a Libertarian. Um, can you? You told us the story about uh, the example in the army. I'm guessing that that was hugely influ- influential to you. That you realized that you know. Well, well, can you give me that journey? Which one? Just the journey of Democrat to Republican to Libertarian. Oh yeah, I mean it, it's uh, uh, I was and, a, and, and what play? What were the big influences in your shift? Made mindset, person, book. So Democrat, I was in the military when I went into the army, and I had always heard the stories about military and who they were and what they were doing. And one day, uh, uh, at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, in 1997, October, uh, the the our commander comes up and says, there's a movie that's coming out next year that you guys get to watch it first before everybody else, because it's about your unit and you're going to be very proud of your unit. I'm like, okay, whatever. 600 of us going to, at this point of the game, I'm just in the military. I'm like, Hey, you know, a, a GI bill or whatever. I'm just a military. And then we go in 600 of us watch this movie. I'm sure you heard of called saving private Ryan. Okay? Oh, wow. Seven. We're sitting there by the time this movie's done with, we are ready to go to, or we're so proud of our unit. Everyone's in tears in very unique moment. So in the military, you know, kind of seeing what was going on and the role military played and everybody would trash them. And not everybody would trash military, but sometimes military was, you know, looked down upon. And I'd yes, I was raised to hate the military as a Democrat. I'd go in the airports and some people would say, thank you for your service. And some people would say, you know, why would you serve him? I'm like, oh, OK, you know, but it was good exercise because you would see how people do what they do. Then I got out. I went into sales. I'm still a Democrat at that time. Uh, a year into sales, competing and fighting for positions. Some people got the positions over politics. A guy named Edwin Guerra, which I think I wrote about in the book, who later on I found him at Macy's. He took my position over, even though I beat him. They gave the job to him, a guy named Robbie Solomon. And then, uh, which Robbie Solomon, I can tell you his phone number till today. And that was in 1999. I know his phone number off the top of my head, I can say. <laughs> but uh, um so then I leave, then I go into business and it's so hard. I go into that $49,000 and I watch a lot of my friends that went into business with me, but they didn't want to do the additional two hours, three hours that you needed to do to run the business. They failed. And uh, uh, I said, okay, this thing sucks. Running a business is not easy. This is absolutely terrible. It's tough. I don't even have money to take my girlfriend out. You know, my girl would say, you want to go out to dinner tonight? I would say, Babe, I'd much rather stay home because I like to spend time with you at the house. And I don't want to go around other people. I want it to be just us. And I'm I'm broke. That's just the flat out truth where I was at. So then I go into insurance. Then I open up my own lease. Then a lease I opened up. The guy that I opened up the office with decides to go to Costa Rica for nine months. I get stuck with the lease, but he's making money because I'm driving the office. That really pissed me off when people didn't carry their weight. And then eventually I went from a Democrat to a Republican to a registered independent libertarian today is kind of where my position is at. So fiscally, very conservative, very, very conservative when it comes down to fiscally taxes, all of that. But that's the process. That's the journey of people's behavior. It's a, it's amazing. I want to go back to Obamacare uh, for a minute. The, how many people were duped, including myself at the time? Um, actually, everyone in this country already did have free health care. Um, and everyone should know that. And basically what Obamacare did is, is it made it so that poor people who didn't register and get insurance, when their taxes came every year, they were penalized for it. Once again, it did not affect rich people. You have to know that it only hurt poor people. I want to say one other thing that the great Greg Glassman taught me, uh, someone, by the way, who you should definitely, you guys would have a blast, uh, Patrick. Um, uh, healthcare is a misnomer. 
I only have health care and Patrick only has health care so that um, we don't lose our assets. I, Patrick does not need health care. No matter what happens to him, he can pay for it cash. The only reason why he has health care is so if something crazy happens they, and, and he goes unconscious, they don't and, and they say the surgery costs $80 million, they don't come take his house. It's just security for his assets. It's not he does not need health care the way poor people need health care. It's a complete misnomer to think that that anyone with money needs insurance health insurance. It's to protect our assets. I have four homes. It's I only have health care to protect my assets. So once once again, completely people being duped. People completely being duped. It's it's a um it's a tragedy, and uh, when it's uh, it's the it's the Democrats doing it uh, to to keep poor people poor. I know it's so hard to get your head wrapped around. It was so hard for me. For the I, I don't know if I've lost all my Democrat uh, um, listeners, but it was so hard for me. I, I and, and just keep listening. Eventually, you'll get it. It's just it's it's um you're you're being tricked by words. Uh, so so how did your parents meet, Patrick? How, how does an Assyrian uh, man meet a um, Armenian woman? Neighbors, they neighbors. were right next to each other. Yeah, they were right next. By the way, seven. I got ten more minutes, and I got. But they were neighbors, right next to each other in Tehran, Iran. And they, uh, uh, my mom was five eight, very attractive, and my my dad was a worker, so he was earning money since eighth grade, very independent, making money. And the next thing you know, they connected, they got married. Uh, two years later, my sister's born. Two years later, they got a divorce. Two years later, I'm born. They remarry. Fourteen years, uh, ten years later, they get a divorce again. So, in the United States, it, it, the divorce paper was served when we were in Germany at a refugee camp. Wow, man! I want to hear about all of that. Okay, here's the here's the deal. He's got ten minutes. Let's be smart, someone. Okay, here. Uh, I want to ask your comment on this. I, I, the whole, the the whole plan for this podcast. I didn't want to ask you shit except just your history, and I haven't fucking done any of that. So the plan. <laughs> um. Uh. Rogan says that Jack Dorsey, um, said that he isn't for censorship, but works for a company that does, and that puts him in a unique situation. With all due respect, Joe, love you to death. Fuck you. That doesn't put him in a unique relationship. That's what the vast majority of the workforce in the United States is in. We have a ton of people who are fucking terrified to express their true political beliefs and their true feelings about the vaccine, their true feelings about the virus, their true feelings about politics. Do, do you feel me on that? So read the first part. I got all of it except for the first part. Basically, what Rogan is saying is, is that Jack Dorsey was put into a difficult spot because he's the CEO of this company that was censoring all these people, including kicking the president off their platform, and that that put Dorsey – he was being sympathetic towards Dorsey, that, oh, that, put, him in a, that, that put him in a rough spot yeah. and in, in a unique spot. I'm like, dude, are I, you I kidding think, me? Everyone I know wants to speak up, but they're afraid they'll lose their fucking job. You ain't lying, but at the same time, uh, uh, take – Take Dorsey, the former Twitter CEO versus today's. Right. Uh, Dorsey looks very good today because the current one just kind of went on a rampage of taking people off and you can't do this. You can't say that. They're creating new criteria of what you can and can't say. Like you can't share a picture from another person that was posted. They've created a lot of new guidelines. And I, I think we're going to find out with Dorsey over the next two, three, four, five years what really was going on. We're, we're going to learn. I mean, new stories are coming out about LeBron James and Kyrie Irving. What happened when Kyrie wanted to leave? There's some stories there. We're learning about what happened with Iran. 
uh, with when uh, CIA is releasing information years later, we're going to learn a lot of stuff with what happened with Dorsey. But in regards to people being afraid, the people that are afraid are the people that don't have a big mic, the people that don't have big influence. Or who are living paycheck to paycheck. Or, or they're living paycheck to paycheck. They can't go get an attorney. They're afraid to say the wrong thing to get fired. You know, one guy called me and he said to me, he says, hey, Pat, you know, uh, uh, I'm in Hollywood. and But politically, I'm very conservative. I'm a libertarian. And on some issues, I agree with Republicans. But man, if I say something, God forbid, I'm going to get fired. No one's going to place me. I've done a very good job for the last 15 years staying quiet. What should I do? And I said, if I say the name, some of you guys may recognize this guy's name. So I'm not going to give the guy's name. I said, how much money you got in the bank? Yeah. And he says, what do you mean? I said, how much you got in the bank? He says, uh, less than a half a million. So what's your cost of living? 300 grand a year. Mm. Ooh, you got kids? I got three kids. All right. Um, ba, 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 ba. If shit hits the fan, what's your alternative? I don't have one. You may want to keep your mouth shut. <laughs> and save some of that money and have a strategy on what you're going to be doing the next 12, 24, 36, 60 months. And you may lose a couple battles right now, but you could win the war. But you have to be very methodical about it. And you got to come up with what that number is. That number could be $3 million in a bank. Could be $5 million in a bank. Could be $2 million in a bank. You got to make some good choices right now. But it, And then the other thing maybe you're sequencing may, may, may be you finding an alternative that in case they do fire you, you're not relying on that job. So, for example, Joe Rogan was an actor. He was on Fear Factor. You know, and all of a sudden he goes and starts a podcast. And his podcast takes off and he starts making real money. And then he now he can talk about whatever the hell he wants because he's on Spotify. He doesn't give a shit if he gets another role in a movie or not. He doesn't give a shit if he gets another part. He's a UFC guy. UFC is pro-America, pro, you know, military, pro. Sub, he's, he's with a brand and nobody wants to mess with UFC. Are you kidding me? You're talking about a couple hundred people that know how to fight that are going to come after you. Say something to Joe Rogan. And Joe knows how to fight. And Joe, so... He had the, and even though probably was all accidental, let's just say, what a great strategy on the, on the way he did it. So you got to take some of these case studies and say, which one of them you're going to put. I, I do think there are certain people that should keep their mouth shut. I do think not because, oh, it's unfair, Pat. Do you really think that it's unfair that they shouldn't say anything? First of all, that's been going on for a long time. Censorship stuff. I'm not a fan of that. The whole Taking Trump down, what are you doing? You leave Putin on, but you take Trump down, are you out of your mind? What did Trump do? Trump didn't go out and killing kids and all this stuff, but you're leaving Putin on Twitter? Come on, man. You're such a level of hypocrisy at the highest level. What you're doing with the president of Iran, are you out of your mind? You look like idiots right now. But fine, it's your company. You can do that. You right. took 50 videos of ours down. They did? Oh, 50 plus videos, stuff that I interviewed early on with COVID, and <clears throat> they took 50 of them down. What can I say? Ah, that's unfair. It's not my company. But what about freedom of speech? Freedom of speech is the Constitution, but it doesn't apply to companies. Dennis Prager tried to sue YouTube. His wife's a lawyer. We're very good friends. Dennis Prager tried to sue YouTube. They lost because they're right. Company is not relying on the co country's constitution. Those are two different things. But but Patrick, what if the company is in bed with the government? Then it does have to follow the rules of the constitution. Well, you correct? have to prove that, and good luck proving that. Okay, you have okay. to prove that. If okay. you can prove that, you are right. 
And that's happened in the past before. Until then, you got to be very strategic on what you do. If you don't have enough runway, don't open your mouth. I don't know. I don't know if it's a smart move you're making. You know, I don't know, especially if you don't have an alternative, especially if you don't have an alternative. Uh, Patrick, I love it. You the man. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure to meet you. I really enjoyed it, man. I really Thank enjoyed you. it. I'm glad, you know, uh, uh, you we got connected on Instagram and then we did this. You're you're a class act. Keep at it. Keep doing what you're doing. And I'm sure we're going to have more uh, run-ins to get in the future. Can I ask you one quick question? It's sure. completely self-serving. I know better than to ask you this after reading your book. Why would you come on this podcast? I have a I have I have a guest. I'm gonna I'm gonna write it down right here. We've thought about this for a little bit too. I'm gonna write it down right here, and then and then I'm gonna show you to see if. Uh, so so my... here's what I did. I'll tell you okay. exactly what I did. Okay. This is what I did. I went to so you you DM me and you know like, hey I'd love to have you on my podcast February 19. I promise we'll have fun. I said tell me about your podcast. Here's your answer. People need to know. Are you comfortable with me reading it publicly? Of course. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The ideal outcome of every podcast is a journey into the unknown, a playful, honest, and open dialogue where we uh, uh, glean in a deeper understanding of ourselves. I've learned that this journey can be done using any topic from automobiles to cosmology. We have hundreds of thousands of downloads a week with 52 weeks of steady growth. I love people. I suspect we will have a very good time. What What a... There was no sales. There's just like, this is... What I think is going to be. I'm like, what a freaking guy. So then I go on your Instagram account and I'm looking at the videos and I'm looking. So then I went on YouTube and I looked at some of your work, what you've done. I said, I freaking like this guy. Great. Set it up. That's how it was. It was that simple. Awesome. All right. Well, I almost believe you. I'm going to go with my guess. (laughs) It's just, it's the gene pool, man. It's that you're, 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 you, this, this Armenian gene pool thing. I was leveraging my blue check mark and my IAN. I'm like, I'm getting this motherfucker. I, I tell you them. right now, <laughs> I'm a Syrian and I'm Armenian, and there's a lot of niches for Armenians and Assyrians. And I, I hate to disappoint you, that would have not been the case. All right. It, it helps that we are. You're just a cool cat. Thank it, you. It's you being a cool cat. And I, I appreciate somebody that takes the approach that you're taking. And I really enjoyed my time here with you guys. I really Thank you. It. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, brother, I love you to death. You are always Bye. welcome back on. If there's ever anything I can do for you, uh, you have my phone number. Text me uh, or or any pictures of ex-girlfriends, anything you want to <laughs> Appreciate you guys. Take care. Yeah. Bye. I love Bye. you to death, brother. Thank you. Bye. Thank you to the team, too. Thank you, Victoria. Thank you, everyone on the Patrick Bet David team. <sighs> Damn, I'm in love. <laughs> I'm in love. Oh, Amanda, we'd I'd love to have him on again. You know what? You know what's crazy? I go over to this guy's. I go over to this guy's website and I look at his sheet. This dude charges $150,000 an hour to speak. I'm like, oh God, I shouldn't have seen that before he came on. Hey. Oh my God. Every time I talked, I'm like, well, I just wasted five grand when I should have let him talk. <laughs> Hey, remember what I said too? I was like, I bet you he looked into it, liked you. You like, you uh, think so? Oh yeah. Uh, please have my. So, uh, what's this? What's what is this? Soft dick? Now, what is this nonsense? Sevon just had an S to soft dick. I don't know what that is, but that, there's some <laughs> there's some pre cum for sure. Okay, uh, guys, uh, thank you everyone for tuning in. Um, 
we t- what should i talk about here i want to tell you about tomorrow's show susan and, thanks for coming on by the way yeah you want to hear something interesting real quick please so there's this uh realtor that's pretty big out here in the tri-valley especially Limore area and she's been a member of my gym since like literally day one awesome person and uh, she does this thing for her um like a blog and stuff just to like create content she calls it the faces of livermore and uh, she goes around and interviews different um, people within the community that are giving back. Anyhow, she interviewed me a little bit, just a short little questionnaire. But at the bottom of it, and this was, I can't even remember how long, maybe like eight months ago, right? She framed it and like gave it to me so I could have it in, the, in, my, in my office. And one of the questions was, if you could sit down and have lunch with somebody like dead or alive, what would it, who, what would it be or who would it be? And I wrote Patrick Bet David. Oh wow! And then when I saw her this morning, when class, when was that? When was that? Class. Uh, I can't remember. It was it was some months back. It's probably like one of the first ones like on here as well too. This is a nice sight she has. Yeah, she does. Wow, look at this lady's hair. Wow. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I think cool. I was one of the first ones. But anyhow, it says on there. Um, at the bottom, you'll see. I don't know if it's on that. Go to the second page. Damn, she's done a lot of people. These are all people local to the Livermore area around your gym? Yeah, Trevor actually does all the media stuff for me at the gym. Oh, that's cool. Trevor's a good dude. Yeah, he he does great work. There it is. Oh, shit. Grace is hot. I didn't – I'd never seen Grace. (laughs) Okay, what were we supposed to look at here? Let's go down to the very bottom. Uh what's the best way to get a hold of you crossfitlivermore.com what's your favorite holiday uh where do you see yourself by the way it was interesting that he liked the um podcast with uh lewis lamore no who's the guy yeah lewis Uh, Howe. lewis Howe. i did not like that podcast you're scrolling past it here oh i thought it was so insincere right in the center if you choose to have lunch anyone alive today that is Ah. not a relative let me read it let me read it let me read it it's about you let me read it if you could choose anyone that is alive today and not a relative with whom would you love to have lunch? Why and where locally would y'all have for lunch? Right now it would have to be Patrick Bet David, an entrepreneur that would be very interested in having that I would be very interested in having a conversation with. We'd go to Ale House. I'd get the French dip. But if I really could wish for anything, it would be to do it on the Sevon podcast so Sevon could make some money and take his kids to jujitsu. I believe well, that's this sweet. Was- I believe this was before that too. Even <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Devesh, the book's so good. I, I, I got the audio book and, and it's it's so good. It's so funny too. Oh, thank you, mom. Very enjoyable. Thank you, mom. Uh, Devesh, um, the 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 what's crazy too is you. Want, I, I really recommend anyone go read the one star comments on it too. It's it's just it's 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 everything that we talked about in this podcast, just about blaming people, not taking personal responsibility and personal accountability. The things that people don't like about the book, it's 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 maddening. Those people are screwed. Okay, tomorrow we have an amazing guest on. He has his degree from MIT in engineering. Uh, he won the engineering. Um, uh, award at MIT one year for a uh, best uh, project in the science fair there. Uh, I don't, they probably call it something bigger than a science fair. His name is David Rush. He has more than 200 Guinness book world records. And there is a program it's called the STEM program. I don't even know what that stands for. It's an acronym, but basically he does all of this because he believe he wants people to believe in, 
excuse me, believe in themselves. He's fascinating. I'm really excited. We only have him for an hour, but um, I'm going to make the most of it. And then um, that's at 7 a.m. Then at 11 a.m. Oh, I don't, we got to get this on the calendar. At 11 a.m. tomorrow, we have the pre-show. Uh, pre and, and I suspect I have invited uh, Jason Kalipa, John Young, Rich Froning, and Travis Mayer to be on it. Hopefully, um, some of them will show up. Um, and that should be a really fun show. I might invite some other people as well. That will be at 11 a.m. And that's just to screw around and, and have fun and talk about uh, what we think the uh, open workout is going to be, who's going to win, what people's plans are for the CrossFit Um game season and then on friday we have greg anderson you do not want to miss that that is at 7 a.m you do not want to miss that this is a police officer from washington state who refused to um, take the orders of his governor in order to stay true to the constitution of this country and uh and he ended up losing his job over it. and he's a cool dude man go to that dude's instagram greg anderson he's so cool and then on saturday I have invited a very, very special guest that you guys have been demanding for a long time. I have not yet heard whether he is coming on. Uh, you all know, and that will be probably one of the biggest shows we ever do if he decides to come on. And then on Sunday, we will go back to uh, Yevon Neely. Yevon Neely on uh, Sunday. I think we're going to do that 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. He is in Odessa, which has been threatened to be bombed for the uh, last week by Putin, or at least that's what our media says. And uh, so we'll talk to him again on Sunday and then on Monday, Tuesday. Oh, and then Tuesday we have Matt O'Keefe coming on. I don't see anyone on Monday, but, but the calendar will fill up. Uh, yep. Stay tuned to the YouTube channel. There's also a bunch of big news that I talked about that I wanted to tell you guys about two weeks ago. I just haven't got second and third sources um, for that yet, but I promise you um, – I haven't forgot about that promise, and I have two or three really big uh, guests on that will get you guys uh, super duper uh, stimulated. What about Dave Castro? Yeah, I'm, I'll call him and see if he answers, and I'll, and I'll ask, told him you said that. What about Dave Castro? <laughs> um, yes, I, I understand. That's, that's very well said, Corey. I keep trying to apply logic to people who don't live in reality. It's fa that's, wow, that's it's pretentious yet true. Okay, guys, thank you very much. Um, I will see you guys tomorrow morning. Sousa, thank you. Thank you. Caleb, Will Brand Caleb Beaver and Will Brandstetter, thank you for everything you do. You guys are the bomb. Bye. <laughs>